how to know if you are a true devotee? That's your question? Beautiful question. A true devotee versus a perceived devotee versus somebody a pseudo-devotee or a quasi-devotee, somebody who feels that I am a devotee versus a true devotee. When somebody has true devotion, their surrender is complete towards God. Which means, when something in their life doesn't go well, they don't start questioning God, saying, why me? Why is it happening to me? A false devotee or, or somebody who's trying to be a devotee but not quite there yet. In the case of such a person, whenever anything contrary to their expectations happen, first thing they do is question. Second thing they do is expect that this should be fixed right away. A true devotee, on the other hand, is somebody who's content. Somebody who says, look, I'm doing the best I can. Maybe there's a reason behind it. They say, what doesn't kill you makes you strong or stronger. That ultimately challenges resistance in life makes you strong. So maybe that's nature's way of, of teaching. A true devotee does not go here and there in search of answers. Once your devotion is yoked on your object of devotion, that's end of the journey. He or she will not say, I'm not satisfied, but the thing I wanted is not done yet. Let me go elsewhere. Yoma avyabhicharen bhakti yogena sevte. Krishna called it avyabhicharini bhakti. That vyabhichar is when you go for, when seeking pleasure, you go from one person to another. Vyabhicharini bhakti is also that. When you say, oh, Hanumanji hasn't done my thing, let me try Shiva. I've heard his Bolenath, he grants quickly, but I also heard Devi is much faster in Kali Yuga. Let me try Devi. I heard there's this Tantric, let me go there. I heard there's this Oja, let me go there. I heard there's this Saint, let me go there. Let me even try an astrologer. I heard somebody does something, let me go there. So that is not the sign of a devotee. Somebody like Sudama, with all the reverence he had in his heart, only once approached Krishna. Even though he had been suffering extreme in like to the extreme for years before then. And his wife would always pester him, say, Well, you said Krishna's your friend, Krishna's your friend, why don't you go approach him? He said, No, he's not just friend. He's not just a friend, he is everything to me. He knows. But since she kept on pestering, he eventually gave in and said, all right, what the hell, I'll 
get out of my home and go to him. So he went to Krishna. He stayed there. Krishna welcomed him. Like he was not just a long lost friend, but as if he was God himself, Sudama. But all the while he was there, not once did he say to Krishna, Krishna, you know, the reason I've come here is because I need ABC or XYZ. Not even once. <coughs> and he's thinking, five days have passed. And not once Krishna has asked, why did you come to see me? I hope, is everything okay? Krishna didn't ask. Do you need anything? These simple words he did not utter. And Sudama thought, uh, thought, maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe my wife was right after all. That people change when they become rich. And now Krishna is Dwarakadish. He hasn't asked me even once if I need anything. Because on the very first day when Krishna welcomed him, Krishna said to Sudama, Oh, what brings you here? after so long. Now Sudama had his own little ego as well. He said, I was just passing by. I thought, uh, it's been years. I haven't seen you. Let me just uh, check upon you. Oh, very kind of you to drop by, Krishna said. And then he fed him the finest delicacies, gave him everything. And, and there's a story of him eating three fistful of rice in which he granted him everything. But not once he said, Sudama, that why he was actually there. He kept thinking in his mind. And that's a sign of a true devotee. It's not that they don't question. It's not that they don't doubt. It's not that they don't go through self-doubt. It's not that they don't worry. Even with all these things, one thing they don't do is let these things drown their faith. The faith is intact. And that's what Sudama had, that faith. Fine, he thought. I've been surviving till now and His grace will see me through. The one who has brought you this far will take you further. It's very simple. To leave midway that's something humans do. God doesn't do that. For example, if somebody is born, they will die as well. He makes sure you die too. Think about it. Think about it. For what would happen if for a moment nature thought, nature forgot about you. You're alive, you're getting old and older and older and older, body's becoming more frail and so on, but nature forgot to take your soul away and give you a new body, what would happen? Like a tree, you would be there for thousands of years suffering. So true devotee is above all content and takes responsibility for their own actions and life. Does not say that, well, God hasn't done this, so God is bad. This person went for a haircut. It's a very famous story you might have heard. He went for a haircut and the barber was a non-believer. 
He didn't believe in God. And this devotee, when he went, he said, please leave a tuft here. I need that shikha. And why? Barber said. Why are you bothering, you know, bothered with all this? He said, well, it's, to, it's in uh, devotion to my God. He said, there is no God. The barber said. Look at all the suffering around you, he said. Somebody has physical ailments, somebody has mental ailments, somebody has both, somebody is married. Look at around you, he said. There is so much suffering. If God really existed, this suffering would not exist. Simple as that. How do you counter that argument? The barber said. Where is God? Because look at the suffering. The man was quiet. Because one thing a good believer knows always is to never argue. Never ever try to justify your faith or your belief to anybody. If somebody says, you don't know, you're wrong, you're in the wrong and so on, you just say, well, you could be right. And the day I feel you are absolutely right, I will be the first one to let you know. Don't defend your faith ever. Because I read somewhere, those who love you don't need an explanation. And those who don't are not going to believe one anyway, so why bother? So the barber said, there is no God. This man didn't answer back. He paid his money, his dues, and went out. And then he came back running just a few minutes later. He said, there is no barber in this town. There is no barber in this town. What kind of rubbish town is this? And the barber said, what the hell are you talking about? Here, it's written big board. I'm the hairdresser here. I'm the barber. I just gave you a haircut. He said, no, I can prove it to you. There is no barber. That's the most ridiculous thing I've heard, the barber said. Come right out. The customer said, this man, the believer said. He pulled him out by his wrist and says, look, you see that man, that homeless man out there? There was a hobo, big beard, big hair, knotted hair, not meditating, just knotted on its own. And in, a, in dire straits, he said, look, if there really existed a barber, this man wouldn't be in such a shabby state. He would have a neat haircut. He would not have this beard like this. Clearly, it establishes, using the same hypothesis, that there is no barber. If there was, he wouldn't be in the state he is in. And the barber got his answer. The presence of God in your life does not mean that life will be without challenges. Even the presence of real God in the times of Christ, in the times of Krishna, in the times of Rama, people had actually more problems than they do now. Plus there was no internet. So it was always difficult to get in touch. Pigeons were not always reliable to carry your message. People suffered. Presence of God in your life only means one thing. You are not alone. A ship has to keep moving anyway. An anchor 
cannot stop the ship from sinking. An anchor only makes, only secures the ship. If you drop an anchor in the ocean, it does not mean that your ship cannot sink even if it's got a, a giant hole in it. If you have holes in your consciousness, if you have holes in your temperament, if you have holes in your mind, if you have holes in your devotion, the ship is going to sink for sure. All ships sink, some get dismantled before they sink, but sooner or later as they get older, they are going to sink one day. It only means having an anchor is you won't be just floating with the winds here and there. You have found your ground and you feel safe. You say, okay, I can see a tide coming. I can see a whirlpool elsewhere. I can see an iceberg somewhere. I will wait. Because my ship isn't just adrift. My ship is secured. So the ship of your life is secured with devotion. You still are responsible for steering it, but it's safe and secure. That's what true devotion is.